Show presents Scratch It Trailer. The podcast where we debate which track to scratch off some of the most known and unknown albums of all time. We live in an era of singles. This is an album. People no longer listen to an album for the work it truly is. It kind of defines a band. It's just not something that people relate to nowadays. We've all gotten the dreaded. Started out as a game. Which track on the album would you scratch out if you had to? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scratch a Track, presented by the Dude and Grim Show. I'm the dude. He is Grim in Michigan. What up, Grim? What's up, dude? All right. It's a fine a afternoon. That's right. A little injustice for all. Take two. Yeah. Um, yeah. All <clears> microphones are <throat> We didn't, are, we didn't are quite the get right the justice uh, that it deserved yeah. the first time. Um, no. Had no, a little mic issue. <laughs> Do you want it? From, maybe... Uh, yeah, maybe you want to explain that a little further uh, for some well, of our fans out there. Dude, <laughs> we had a we were having a recording session to finish the more album, and in doing so, I there's a big vocal mic behind me, and that I placed in the input that I normally have my recording mic here in for the show, and so it was interesting. I just had to turn it up a little bit and everything was still coming through, but then come to find out when I was about to put them together that it sounded like, um, we should have done the lonesome crowded West that way. Cause it was yeah. like Isaac Brock kind of yelling the vocals. Yeah. I was going to say, dude, Isaac Brock, dude, he must've been like, dude, hell yeah. You guys should do every episode like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know if everybody else would feel that way, but well, no, um, and especially as we'll get into with some of the recording techniques used in Injustice for All, um, they specifically went with the close mics, so I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, we, we, so, will, we will definitely get into it. So back, uh, giving it the, the correct justice it deserves this time it's around. Like the, it's like the Redux, sort of. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what you call it. I, I'll just call it Take Two. So um, and. We have to redo the next episode as well. So, yeah. Uh, but anyways, moving on, moving on. So, you know, just in case, you know, all the people out there who thought everything we did was perfect. We're not perfect. Okay. We don't know everything. <sighs> no. We're no. far from it. Okay. Uh, and the more you listen, the more you watch, the more you will realize that. So, yeah. Still having right. equipment issues. <laughs> exactly. So anyways, Injustice for All, Metallica, Metal. This is our first kind of really venture into to, to that territory yeah um i mean we've done like with mr bungle uh that has some like you know it's a little weirder harder album and parts and stuff like that but this is definitely probably the most consistent in what you would call in the the metal genre. oh a, a true heavy metal album for sure yeah yep. Definitely. So this, uh, yeah, so this came out, this is now their, their fourth studio album. And I believe it's the one that came out, at least the one that I was always most familiar with for me growing up was, well, I guess what people refer to as the the black album, but I believe it's just a self-titled yeah. album, isn't it? Okay. It so is. this is the album that I guess, I guess came out right before that or a few years before that. And it was their, their fourth, their fourth studio album. Um, and we will definitely get into the, the base controversy. Um, but this is the first one that had Jason Newstead as their, their bass player. Um, because, uh, yeah. Cliff Burton, Cliff Burton's life was tragically cut short in, in a, a bus accident while they were on tour. And I remember you saying last time 
that's typically not how you hear about musicians passing away. Especially, no, you'd, you'd expect you know. that it was, you know, some sort of drug related overdose. Um, but as I mentioned, Metallica isn't typically noted for being um, a heavily drug using band. I mean, if you go back to the last album that Burton was on, which was Master of Puppets, the song Master of Puppets is actually about um, addiction. I think specifically to cocaine, but um, but it's it's about addiction. It's and a hell the of a drug. Of, yeah, the kind of grip that it that it uh, has on people. So yeah, that was too bad. And I mean, with him with him dying in that bus accident, um, this was a real turning point. I would say for the band, it was kind of a make or break scenario because they have to go out on a limb. They have to replace the bass player if they intend to keep going on. And uh, that also is an interesting story, dude. I don't know yeah. if we touched on this before, but what I've read is that uh, a gentleman by the name of Les Claypool, who people know oh, yeah. as the bassist from Primus, an awesome bassist, but not in any way stylistically congruent to Metallica, actually auditioned for Metallica. And I think, uh, <laughs> I think his style was maybe a little too much for them. Yeah, was was he too good, <laughs> or just well, I, or just didn't fit in necessarily? Maybe. Yeah, I think that's fair. Not to say that they yeah. wouldn't want somebody good, but yeah, his bass playing is is in a way too good. Mm. Yeah, well, and I think that goes to say you know with a lot of bands too is um, it, it's not always about playing the best notes, the best solos, the best this. It's play about when you're playing together. It's you know, and you've been in bands too about playing the right notes. And, yeah. and all meshing and, and fitting. If if everybody's just doing just a badass solo, it's, I mean, hey, you know, jam bands and stuff like that, everybody gets their turn. That's if you're into that sort of thing. But that's, even though Metallica has a lot of longer songs on this, and you could probably consider some of them sort of jams, not necessarily in that. Uh, vein, yeah, guess, that's, that's never what they were kind of going for. I yeah. think it's yeah. safe to say. Right. So, so um, yeah, and this, like you said, it was definitely a turning point in the band. I mean, they they had a new, uh, uh, you know, a new bassist. Uh, this is also the first uh, album where they actually put out a video, which was one. Uh, they had kind of stayed yeah. away from that in in the past, um, and they were also nominated for a Grammy for best uh, hard rock and metal performance and controversially lost to Jethro Tull. <laughs> yeah, um, and I I can't I cannot understand that because I, I, Jethro Tull is a, an awesome band and will no doubt be on this show probably sooner than later. Uh but I would have yes. never in my life classified them as metal. Yeah, and it would be really interesting to go back I guess that year and look through kind of the Grammy nominations and see kind of how um, certain bands and artists were were kind of divvied out, um, and see who else would would have been nominated uh, in the rock metal performance um, other than Metallica and Jethro Jethro Tull, because I certainly wouldn't put them in the same kind of I don't know area, um, so or genre necessarily. Yeah, they uh, yeah. Um, now, one thing I would want to touch on too. I, I mean, I guess we can because they kind of went into MTV, which was an area that they hadn't gone into before. Um, the video, for one, I remember watching as a as a younger kid, and it was 
like shockingly disturbing, but also awesome. I mean, really good. And um, what, what is uh, there? There's a movie. Uh, Johnny that they, got his gun. Johnny got his gun that they, they took uh, clips from. And I believe at least the song is supposed to portray a World War One soldier who gets his arms and legs blown off by a landmine. Uh-huh. And when he's in the hospital, the only way he can communicate, I think, is by like banging his banging his head or making some sort of noise in Morse code that is basically begging That's them right. to kill him. And it's it's yeah. really it's a dark video, but it is worth watching and it's really intense and, and yeah. awesome. Yeah, I did a little research on that that movie and when it came so it can't it's like considered an anti-war film came out in 71 and when it came out it wasn't overly successful although it did have um donald sutherland's in it uh who's a, oh, obviously wow. a, a, a known actor but then the the other guy and i think I, you may know this since i mentioned it before but so timothy bottoms who is sam bottoms i believe his younger brother sam bottoms plays lance in apocalypse now who is like the surfer dude and everything. It's just like, it's just one of the best characters ever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Pretty much. You know, he's like, he's like, Oh yeah. You know, that last tap of acid I was saving. Yeah. I, I dropped it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I would definitely, if I was in the Dolong bridge, that's definitely where I would drop acid. Yeah. That seems like a a really good idea. Lance. Um, Pretty unforgettable trip. Very, very. I think he lost the dog in that scene too. No wonder. So, yeah. Uh, anyways, I digress. Um, but yeah, it is. So uh, scenes of that movie are kind of interspliced with them um, in basically uh, kind of how a lot of music videos have been done, like them, the band in a warehouse, like playing and it's kind of live, black and white basically. and dark live. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's cool. And it's funny. I, after watching the video, I hadn't seen it for a long time. I just, it was so interesting. I was like, God, they look so young, which made oh, me feel yeah. really, really old too. But, um, <laughs> It was like wow, uh, pretty pretty cool. So yeah, it's uh, that was their first kind of video, and I'm not really sure what their hesitation was. Maybe before, um, or maybe they didn't feel like they had a song worthy enough, or they didn't want to kind of give into that the the scene, or didn't want to be. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know because I don't remember a lot of like metal bands being on there. Of course, there was the heavy like hairband shit from that time which but they were not that no they were not metallica they were they they didn't have the depth nor the uh, maybe some of them had the musicianship but to me it pretty much all sucked yeah but yeah. sorry <laughs> great we just lost five subscribers awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We went from 20 to 15. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah. Uh, well, and then, you know, their next album that, that comes out, uh, they I think they had at least two or three because Unforgiven and her Sandman. Um, they, and nothing else what, matters. Nothing else matters. But yeah. all had videos. So they yep. they really they really went in, in into it. But the whole the world was changing at that point. But but it, it kind of was in, from a music perspective, because not that hair bands weren't there. But they kind of started taking on this more intense, darker tone because Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction had just come out. Uh, and yeah. then you had, you know, we had this album and then you get the Use Your Illusions and the, the Metallica, well, you know, and the it, self-titled album. And, and by the time the Black album was coming out, you were starting to see a transition away from hair metal and getting more into grunge. But sure. they could be consistent 
with what they did because it didn't fit into any of that stuff. I mean, there yeah. was always underground metal, probably heavier, a lot of it than Metallica, but they like somehow reached this mainstream because their theirs was palatable enough, I think, for a, a wider mainstream audience than say, you know, a band like Cannibal Corpse, who <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's I that's really you- kind of fringe. Yeah, uh, is Greg here? Um, <laughs> he is. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I read those lyrics the other yeah. day. It's it's some intense stuff. Um, yeah. Anyways, well, that's an album for a later date for sure. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I had but to so, throw that in. Yeah, it's. I know. I was. I was waiting for that too. So. Um, but speaking of kind of Guns N' Roses, when when Metallica was looking for a producer, that I, I think the producer that they had worked with uh, previously was a Fleming Rasmussen. Is that that he worked on the previous albums, right? Yeah, ever with the exception of Kill 'Em All, I believe he did Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, which had a very I don't want to say consistent sound, but if you listen to both those albums, it probably wouldn't surprise you to to hear that they were produced by the same guy. I mean, they sound right. awesome and like metal right. in its Right. Purest form, but yeah. Right. Sure. Well, I guess he wasn't initially available for this album, so they went and hired uh, Mike Klink, who had just gotten done producing Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, um, and they kind of started working with him. I, I think they even started doing some some recording, and I don't think the band was really feeling it. They, From, from what I'm seeing here, and you can probably speak to this a little more, but um, they they... And maybe this is what they did with Fleming Rasmussen, or I'm not sure if they did this with Mike Klink, but they started recording the instruments kind of separately, and they used three reels. So they did like the drums on one reel, bass and guitars on another, and then a third reel for other parts. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I don't understand. I think what, that's what, what they that did for for the recordings that they did with Rasmussen. I don't remember okay. reading a whole lot about what they did with Mike Klink, but I do like the bit about that Rasmussen was on the plane. Oh yeah, from Europe over, and he listened to what they had done, probably in a Walkman. Honestly, at that point, listened Dude. to what they had done with Mike Clink, and basically, as soon as he was arrived, like Clink was fired, and and then they started going with him uh, with Rasmussen. But it was interesting. You talk about those three reels. So the album was then obviously done on tape, and in order right. to get, I don't know what system they were using or if these were machines that could be like master slave together where they were always in sync um but that's uh that's a lot of tracks and that makes for a really complex recording session so you can imagine how many tracks you know were 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 used on this thing because I think they yeah. said they had one reel just for drums and I you know you watch the one video You'll notice Ulrich's drum set has like two bass drum, two kick drums. I mean, it, it's huge. You can only imagine how many mics were on that thing, you know, yeah, to get that right. sound. And then the guitars, too, because uh, we'll get into the bass in a minute, but let's just say that the guitars really made up the meat and potatoes of that, that sound because um, yeah. they didn't really allow the bass to... Uh, get the justice it deserved Ooh. and that's what you're gonna find just us yeah um, so so well yeah and that's for me having not listened to 
a whole lot of metal. That's one thing that really, really stands out uh, is the the drums and the guitar just the way they just it's it's constantly just driving and driving and driving um like constantly moving forward and and they get in a lot of times they'll get into a rhythm together and they'll kind of mimic each other and then they'll kind of break apart and i just found it interesting and i'm not sure i'm sure every band's different and uh you know i i don't know a ton about metal but i was really surprised that there was a lot of transitions and changes uh, oh yeah, a lot of these songs. I mean, you know, you would want that if I mean, if you know, the song "Injustice for All," for instance, is dude nine minutes and forty six seconds. It's almost a ten minute song, and it's really cool that there's a lot of just transitions and things. Um, in different not always, parts, yeah. Some in some of the songs, I noticed that the transitions are a little harsher. They're not always maybe the smoothest, but yeah. since it is kind of metal and uh, you know just the sound is harsher, you, you kind of forgive it. Kind of mm-hmm. it, it can get away, it can get away with it. Um, but but there's also some real melodic sections. And, and one thing I, I and maybe you could speak to it a little more. I remember last time you said how there is a kind of a correlation almost between they talk about between metal and sort of, I guess what class classical music, right? Yeah. I would say that because a lot of other rock music is somehow related to or based in the blues, not all of it, but a lot of it. And because of that, there's, there's kind of this, um, people tend to go toward like the pentatonic or blue scale as people call it. But with this stuff, it's more pure. You're talking more like, more modes and pure minor scales and just the way they play it. It's, it's like very symmetrical, like classical music was really big on symmetry and it's, it's, it's technically they're, they're very proficient. Um, there, there is kind of a lot of a lot of similarities to it about like the like think about it in movements like what you were talking about, like there'll be a, a fast movement and then a slow movement and then, Gotcha. You know, so there is a lot of similarities to it. Yeah. Well, well, for me, one thing I noticed just listening to it and and this is, again, maybe different than kind of the classical, but a similarity that I kind of found was almost like kind of trance or electronic music where you kind of it kind of gets that beat and gets that groove and it it kind of goes and it continues with it. Now, if you listen to one and listen to the other, they don't they don't sound very similar, but um <laughs> But I just felt I felt like this the sound with that definitely uh, for me I noticed similarities like one of the other bands we did uh, was LCD Sound System and uh, yeah. just the way it kind of gets in that groove and it goes and it goes and it goes and sometimes when I'm listening when I was you know when I was listening to the album it, it very much especially because some of the songs were longer it kind of seemed like things were one to me like it, I could get lost I'm like wait what song am I in now yeah where am I definitely see that. Mm-hmm. So it just no, but had I, that. that's an interesting parallel that I never really thought about. But you're right. I mean, the 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 riff becomes the groove, right? And it's it's just a similar concept, but just a different feeling, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, kind of maybe going back to the recording, if you want to get into the to sort of the bass controversy, kind of have um, to. Yeah, it's interesting. You new said that Newstead. New said that he had a he had a difficult time during these recording sessions because he said the band basically they didn't really discuss things with him and they weren't even there when he 
put his parts in. It was like he recorded separately with an assistant engineer. And to me, that's so weird. It's like, hey, welcome to the band. We we did what we're going to do. We're going to take off here. You can, you know, yeah. hang out with the assistant and put in the parts afterward. I mean, that just seems so weird to me, man. Uh, I know. Not not very cool. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess it's it's got to be tough really on both ends. He's the new guy, right? Coming into a well established well established metal band, um, and then for them, he's the new guy, and it's like it's basically like, well, he's never going to be Cliff. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm I'm sure whether whether it was intentional or not, there was some of that there. How could there not be? Yeah, well, I I feel like I read somewhere that he had actually recorded with them or performed he had done something with the band maybe previously on some other tracks or i don't know what it was uh before this album like there was and i again i don't know where i read that that's just really off the cuff coming into my head at the at the moment but i feel like there was some sort of a previous relationship i i I don't know i don't know what it was exactly um but anyways so so yeah they they basically didn't include him in in the in the sessions per se. And then when they were recording or mixing the album, Lars, I, I don't think Rest after the uh, Rasmussen did like an initial mix of it, but I think he was kind of then taken away from the part. But basically, Lars and uh, Hepfield told him to take the bass down so you could just barely hear it, and then once you can barely hear it take it down another three decibels <laughs> like dude at that point just hit the mute button on the board for that track because yeah. there's nothing left yeah which i mean yeah is is too bad and i think there was some criticism over the album because of that and i don't know if the the music critics knew that the bass wasn't there or just that they felt that the sound was kind of dry and and maybe lacking something um yeah. and in subsequent years after all that, there you can find a video on YouTube that's worth worth watching called Injustice for Jason. And it is Injustice for All with the bass tracks included. Yeah. And if so we can it, find it, that, if I can find that link, I'll put the link down in the description for yeah. everyone watching on YouTube. So you can check that out. But so I haven't listened to that. No, you have listened to that. Is that right? Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. I liked it, right? Of course, I, I liked sure. it. But at the same point, I had listened to the album in its original or, you know, in, in the format that we knew for so yeah. many years. I mean, since I was like in fifth or sixth grade, that it was almost, it was a little different to me to hear it that way. But I liked it because there okay. was, you know, there was that missing part was there. But then I almost felt like, Let's see. Maybe they, maybe they turn the bass up in this mix like a little too much to kind of overcompensate for all those years and the fact that when they remastered it and whatever year was it, two thousand sixteen or nineteen, they still yeah, didn't do it. They yeah. still didn't put them in. Yeah, they they, they so could have done it during the yeah. remaster and they they didn't put. Well, it's interesting uh, to, to hear you say that because um, it's one of those things when I watch. You know, movies. And I know we were kind of joking around about Apocalypse Now and the Redux. When you see like a movie and they're like, oh, it's they they add in scenes or they change scenes a little bit. And it's like, wait a minute, I've been watching this movie for 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years and all of a sudden there's something different. Sometimes it really, really bothers me. Yeah. And, and, but that you, would you say that wasn't, it sounded different to you, but that, that wasn't your, you weren't turned off by it, I guess. Yeah. Well, I was in a way turned off by it, but, um, just for reference, I mean, well, like you said, we'll link it to the video, but as you type in and justice in YouTube search, uh, and justice for Jason is the third search term that comes up under that. And then when you click on it, not only <laughs> can you listen to that in several different forms, I, mm-hmm. it looks like there might even be a couple different versions of it, but there's also something that I wish I would have listened to before, but I will now, but um, that there's a, there's an interview where Jason Newstead kind of reflects on that album. And I think that would be, that would be an interesting bit to listen Same. to. So Sweet. well, maybe anyways. we'll link that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's very cool because even so Rasmussen, he wasn't even the one who, who mixed the album. And I know we, we talked a little bit about, uh, yep. you know, the, 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 he, he kind of said it had like a, a compressed sound, but even before we get into maybe that compressed sound a little bit, which you touched on, uh, they, like he had heard, the kind of the mix and what Newstead did. Uh, Toby Wright, I guess, was the assistant engineer who had worked exclusively and recorded with Newstead. They thought his parts were amazing. They thought they were they were really brilliant. So, um, you know, I'm. It's kind of frustrating that that even after all these years, they couldn't just release sort of like a remixed version with with the bass in there. But you know, it yeah, is, it's it almost is, like is after all is. those years, you still couldn't admit that you were wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you could just right. be like, "Sorry, man, I fucked up." You know, here's yeah, here's the yeah. right one. Exactly, exactly. But. So, but but yeah, one of the things Rasmussen did say is uh, he, he when he listened to the final mix, he assumed that kind of the they only used the close microphones, and instead he had the, when he was recording, he kind of had room microphones. Yeah. I think to Which get bigger tone is common sound. Yeah. yeah, and he said he said the the percussion sounded synthetic to him, and uh, it, basically he felt that was one of the reasons that the the album kind of had a compressed sound a little bit uh, no and you can definitely hear that i mean especially in the drums i think more than anything because uh, you know a lot of times if you're going to mic a drum set for recording you're going to mic the individual drums and then on top of that you're going to have mics like room mics right a lot of times people will put them up in a pattern behind the drummer so that you could hear it as you were the drummer, right? Like, you know, the sure. snares over here, the hi-hats, or, you know what I mean, or, you know, wherever. But but it, it sounds like he they did very little of that in the final mix. I mean, they must have had used them very sparsely to get the cymbals uh, mm-hmm. in there. But, I mean, yeah, the, the kick drums sound very much like... Uh, they were only on the beater side of it. it just, just the way it, it, it's, it is interesting. And I think that that yeah. call is right on. I mean, everything yeah. sounds like uh, not a lot of reverb, you know. Sure, sure. <laughs> not sure. a lot of reverb. All right. They weren't going well, for that for that like '60s echo chamber sound at all. No, no. And <laughs> no. if they were, they did not get it. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know. I know we just talked a lot about the recording and, and maybe uh, we had we had some some criticism for it. Even having said that, though, I, 
I, I love this album. I hadn't spent I a lot a lot of time with it. And I'll fully admit, when you wanted to do this one, I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I listened to it once or twice. And I was about to message you and be like, dude, I, I don't I don't know if I can do this one. I just I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> and then I got up one and then I got up one morning and I was messing around my computer doing some photo stuff and I just like I just put it on. And I found myself, I got in the, it just something clicked, man. And I got in the groove and I, and now I put it on. I'm like, wow, okay. Like it's, it, there is, there is something, again, the groove, but it has a lot of melodic tones at, at times with the transitions that I find myself really like, I find it really pleasing and I don't yeah. find it, even though it's metal and I'm not a huge metal fan, like I don't, it's not off-putting to me at all. Yeah, sure. And, and I mean, you know, for a lot of metal, they, they do kind of, uh, Hatfield's delivery can be kind of growly and a bit like he's yelling at times, Sure, but not as, not as bad again as say like a cannibal corpse. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it just, yeah. he's, he's got a little more tonality than that. And yes. dude, the riffs, God, the riffs are just dude. so good. They're just They're good. Some awesome fucking riffs on this album. Yeah, they are. They're really, really cool. Well, so it came out and, uh, you know, a lot of critics liked it. They thought it was uh, very progressive. And I, I'm there's a part of me that is actually curious as to what the fans who had followed them over their previous work maybe thought of this album, because we've seen it many times where bands kind of start maybe veering in a different direction and it maybe is seem to be progressive. A lot of times the original fans, they think it's like selling out or watered down and then they're putting out like a video on MTV. And to me, I, I mean, I thought it was, I think it's amazing, but I, I'm just curious as to maybe what some of the fans thought at the time. I mean, it certainly didn't stop them from, from buying the album because it sold yeah, like it millions sold of copies. Well. And I, it what was, did they I think, say? It's like overall certified like eight times platinum or something? Was, yeah, something it, like that. It's, it's, really, it's yeah. a really high number. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it peaked at number six on the Billboard 200. It was on the charts for 83 weeks. And wow. it sold over eight million copies in the U.S. since 1991. So this came out oh, in wow. 88. So that's not even tracking. I don't know how like all that the first stuff three gets years tracked, but basically the first three years. Yeah, dude. So wow. Um, so I, I, I'm guessing maybe I just answered my own question. If you know, they, they maybe the fans didn't mind uh, them well, I, evolving. Know, I only got into it uh, from like the older kids on the back of the bus. So for the proper shout out for the album, shout out to Mark Shandonette. If you remember that dude, uh, he sat in the back yeah. of the bus and he was the older kid who got me into Metallica. So I appreciate that. Mark still listen to this all the time. Cause it's awesome music. Yeah. But, um, I, I mean, people that I knew that liked Metallica, I mean, you had this album, like it, it wasn't like everything else was good and this was the shit album that they put out. I mean, this this was like one of the top tier. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah. I, and I, I again, <laughs> and I think a lot of it goes back to where they were at, too, as a band. It's kind of almost like a triumphant return coming out of a dark place. Yeah. I mean, that's a and tough, the subject a- matter is really awesome. We'll get into that. But. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, a, definitely it's it's a political album. It's uh, you know an anti-war album, uh, which you know in 1988, uh, I guess that's where what post Cold War at that time, pre 
um, desert storm ish. Right. I don't know what was going yeah. on, but it's, but it, 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 it spoke a lot to, uh, you know, the political rebellious, uh, uh, going against kind of society and societal norms. And it's, it's funny because having listened to this album and listening to the words, reading the words, a lot of these things are still very applicable today. Oh, uh, that, it's, that, it's, that it's as applicable today. About. Yeah. As yeah. it ever was. I mean, you could, it's about like the disenfranchised, uh, racism. I mean, it's all, it's all there. Um, yep. but I guess with that, we might as well kind of just, go into the songs because that'll really get to all these definitely items. yeah yeah we should um so, so you start out with blackened we do we and do, um it? yeah it's it's a pretty dark song i i feel like it's basically just like an overview of society is basically saying this is kind of where we're at it's not great yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, when your first song is called "Black," <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. But it, it it's, it, I, I think this is a good song to start the album with. Uh, oh yeah, and it, it just uh, like kind of the intro, the guitar, the guitar kind of, you know, it fades in, and then all of a sudden, I think it just the has reverse this, too. Oh, oh, okay. Is that what it I is? I think it, it, it does have a weird like sound. It, yeah, yeah, but it's really cool. Anyways, go on. Yeah, it, it, well, and then it just has this really just kind of a i guess i would say like a sharp cut to you mm-hmm. know Lars's get you know uh drum riff which which this album does many times and is yeah. I, I don't know to me is kind of a staple and i know i mentioned earlier that some of the transitions were aren't always this the smoothest um, but this but here, one's I, sweet I, yeah, this, yeah this one's great yeah it is it yeah. is and then you know then the guitar kind of comes in and, and attacks um, and, and there's definitely times I find in this album, and I think it's in this song too, where the drums and guitar kind of, they, they get in that same rhythm together and they kind of mimic mm-hmm. each other and they, and they, and they really go and, and just, yeah, it just kind of, you know, they get moving. I, I just think it's a great, great song to, to, to really start the album with. And it's got, you know, I think about two thirds of the way through the song, it's got that kind of eighties guitar solo yeah. where it's kind of whiny. It has that, you know, a little yeah. whiny feel and stuff, but, but, but man, he just shreds it too. Like, and that's, oh, yeah. it's, it's just that, that sound that you don't find in kind of any other era really. Yep. I, I would agree. And, and again, lyrically really dark. I mean, kind of <laughs> talks about um, the destruction of the environment as well, but the kind of one, ahead of its time a little bit. The too, one right? line that yeah. always really struck me was where he says, "See a mother put to death, see a mother die." <laughs> I was, I mean, I remember hearing that as a kid, and I'm like, "Jesus, man, what the hell?" You're like, I'm glad I'm not playing this too loud in my room. I'm yeah, <laughs> my, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you save that one for the back of the bus. <laughs> yep, dude, you have to. Yeah, definitely. Well, then we move on to the second song, which is the the self, uh, I guess, self titled track, and that is uh, and and justice for all. Uh, you know, it starts with a very like, kind of clean guitar sound, and and for yeah. me, not being you know what I would call like a metalhead, it, it's it's really just kind of pleasant and elegant and i feel they try to try to do that uh you know in in multiple songs i feel like maybe they don't always pull it off in all the songs but i can appreciate really kind of what they're they're trying to go for so yeah and and it's kind of cool though how then the the heavy guitar really just it, it'll come in for a minute and then goes right back you know what i yeah. mean they kind of slowly 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 get to it and i really like the when they're getting into it and it's like one two 
one, two, three. And before they're, you know, yeah. like yeah. they really, it's it's kind of cool. And this is pretty much. I mean, I don't want to say. I mean, this you know says nine minutes forty six seconds to live is to die. Nine minutes forty. I mean, but a song, dude, a metal song, just under ten minutes, man. That's it's it's pretty pretty uh i don't know ambitious but it's so yeah uh, another thing too is for the song of that length it really it's not as if it's totally instrumental i mean i would say the majority of it has lyrics in it um just uh yeah it's just you have a kind of the instrumental section in the beginning and then there is a solo and um one thing i did forget to mention last time that i really wanted to was how when they end that solo and everything cuts out and man that guitar it just sounds like it's puking i mean it's amazing <laughs> how it just it's it's awesome yeah that's I, you know i had that kind of in my notes as well like after that solo it picks up with it just like this distorted like electrified rip. i mean it's just it's crazy dude yeah yeah it's, it's really it's really awesome well. song and and i yeah. think you know going back to the lyrics i mean justice is lost justice is raped justice is done i mean with everything yeah. going on now in our society i feel like the song is is more relevant than ever and it's like sticking up for those who are oppressed yeah i, I think so which is just something we all need to do side note. yeah absolutely um, and it's yeah, just interesting yeah. for you know for a metal band because i don't think yeah. that a lot of people would would equate those two but i think they did a great job of making this political statement and, and basically showing this huge equality gap in society yeah yeah well and i think for you i mean definitely you know you're i'm sure your favorite lyrics are probably when he says you know find it so grim find it so true so, so true so real right I mean, dude i never thought i'd get a yeah, shout out especially by metallica dude, metallica yeah so you know if you do nothing else in your life you still accomplish something <laughs> yeah and they are pretty uh, grim very grim very grim your brother's grim so right. then you got eye of the beholder which i think mm-hmm. is a great song to follow up with not only musically, but lyrically, too, because that, to me, is kind of talking about the illusion of freedom. Um, sure. You know, you can do things your own way if it's done just how I say. And um, I, I don't know. That, that's I, I've always I've always found those to be to be really good lyrics in that song. Totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the lyrics. I, this is one of the songs I that stands out to me that kind of has some sharp transitions that I don't think are always maybe quite the smoothest. Um, but because it is kind of metal in their genre, I feel like they, they can get away with it and I give them a little, a little leeway there. But, uh, but the, the lyrics that really stand out for me in this song is, you know, freedom of choice is made for you. My friend, freedom of speech is words that they will bend. And I just, yeah. I find, I find that is, so, done so much especially in today's media where you know you, you can say you know a million really great things but they will pick they will rip everything apart and they will just pick on like these little words or what you didn't say or yeah and it's just like it's like man it's like wait, wait but i do have freedom of speech right so can i say it my way is that okay well, yeah <laughs> like, and it's just what's but the that's other for one the, 
the talking oh. head shows where you yeah. know, they just need to fill time with bullshit. So what do you see? What I see truth is an offense. I mean, that's, I, I don't know. It, it, it's like, it, it's alarmingly relevant. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. any, but in, in really one of my, one of my favorite songs on the album, I mean, those first three, it, it's hard to, it's hard to mess with an, with an album coming in with those first three. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely, you know, it definitely is really yeah. kicks you in tender places. Tender, very tender. So then we move on to uh, probably, I, I mean, at least for me, I know this wasn't the first single on the album. I believe it was the third single, but it is the music video. And that's the song one. Uh, for me, this is the song that I always kind of knew of. Uh, yep. So, and maybe it was because of the video, but I, I, I feel like it's for, your maybe your average listener who isn't um overly into metal this is definitely a song you could play for someone where they would be like oh okay I, okay i yeah. i can dig this you know i, oh, I can I, get this it it has a lot of melodic tones to it and it's it's i don't want to say i hate always being like a song you know like we we're talking about mr bungle well these are songs but but it has it's it's like yeah, it's a radio friendly unit shifter, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's and so. it's yeah, and it's really recognizable. I mean, hell, even people who play guitar but you know really don't, they learn that riff, that like intro right. riff to one. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those like across the board kind of timeless things, whether you like metal or not. Um, right. But and we touched a lot on the song. Um, when talking about the video, so no need to revisit that, but it is a really dark song content wise. And again, so then there's <laughs> your anti-war song, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, I think one of the things that I do like about it, just from a musical perspective, it, it, you know, it, it is more of what I would call like goes into a rock direction. I know, you know, at least in my book, metal and rock, I mean, there's, there's a little bit, a little bit of a difference there. It has a catchy melody and there's even like some acoustic, it sounds like in there where it's doubling yeah. the guitar at parts and just, it, it just has that, at least for me, that, that, that pleasant sound. So, yeah, definitely. Um, um but, but it does get pretty damn metal once you get into that. It does. You know, like, that. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's what you're talking about where the drums and the guitar are just comp- like they're one, you know, yeah, they're <laughs> you know? one. Who would have thought? Yeah. So then we move on to not the longest, but the shortest straw. And uh, again, this is I think this song starts with uh, the drum and the guitar kind of doubling their their rhythm and, and their sound together. And it kind of gets yep. gets the things uh, kind of gets things going. And, uh, you know, I, I do like. A lot of the words to this uh, oh, to this man. song, and yeah. it's interesting because from what I read, Hepfield wrote just a lot of the. He didn't have like any of this stuff done really before they went to the studio. He wrote a lot of this, I think, while they were just recording. But some of the boy, you know, that's amazing. Some of the, yeah, some of the words like "shortest straw" has been pulled for you. Uh, yeah, that's I, just, you know, I, 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 I that's, like that because it's like you go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say you said it because, uh, and I think you said this before, where it's not that you pulled the shortest straw, you know? Yeah. No, someone else did it for you and and you don't have a, you don't have a chance. Yeah. Like, there you go. Sorry, this, this is it. And again, very relevant to the times we are living in today. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, a lot of people don't have that choice and, and it's, it's too bad, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a very interesting and, uh, 
maybe thoughtful is the wrong word, but uh, interesting and thoughtful way to, to kind of talk about that, I guess. Well, it, it definitely sheds light on it. And, uh, you know, something that maybe, again, uh, certain people of privilege don't always consider and think about mm-hmm. uh, because 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 the straw that was pulled for them was definitely not the shortest. Right. Yeah, so, sure. Um, and yeah, he, t- you know, again, he, he other lyrics, I, I don't have them in front of me, but generally, you know, what he does talk about is standing up for yourself, challenging liberty. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's definitely Im- important, uh, to continue to do. So, um, then we go on to number, I guess the sixth song, which is a harvester of sorrow. Um, and I'm not sure, is this the shortest? Yeah. So this is the shortest song on the album at five minutes and 45 seconds. So <laughs> that's wow. that kind of, kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I really like, you know, it's got a great guitar sound just to kind of open the track. It's, it's harsh. And for me, I always find, and I think maybe I said this last time, I, I found myself when I was listening to it, there's something about it, uh, where I just kind of, I start rocking back and forth in my yeah, chair. Just, I can see that. The way, the way the groove goes, like, you know, yeah. I, I think, it, I mean, I probably wouldn't rock my kid if I had one that I know of to, to sleep to it, but I definitely, uh, uh, you know, I find myself just kind of do it when I'm, when I'm listening to the track. Yeah. It, it is almost soothing. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. It just has that feel. Yeah. I mean, it I, really you does. Could play it in a, you could play it in the spa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Right. Right in between Anya cuts. But, oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, the thing is, I don't, I don't really know necessarily the significance, but this whole album seems to go in this progression where it's, you know, it's, it's kind of an overview of, of where society has gotten to. Then you're talking about the justice system then you're talking about the illusion of freedom. Freedom no longer frees you, the dude. And then, you know, one, the shortest straw. And this is almost like there's some bigger hand in everything that is like the harvester of sorrow. And it just sort of guides this ugliness in a way. I, I don't know sure. if that if that sounds relevant or weird, but I, I could never figure out who or what the harvester of sorrow is or is symbolic of. Right. Well, it's interesting because you know, one thing we actually, we didn't talk about this time was the cover of the album. And you just said the word, you know, freedom no longer frees you. And that's line. Uh, and I had the beholder. Yeah. Dude. yeah and, 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 and when you, and when you look at uh, the cover of the album, and it's it's the whatever the lady um, justice lady justice basically tied down with ropes and she's got you know the scales of justice and she's kind of holding are full of money yeah they're kind of cracked and broken and falling and uh and she's got a blind obviously got a blindfold on but with you know with the sword and everything and it's just 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 being tied down it's kind of like yeah you're you know it's you're free but you're not you're not that free so yeah um but so then, maybe uh, this maybe the system's the harvester of sorrow. Anyways, <laughs> that could be it. There's a lot. So of then you start going crazy <laughs> after all these things, and you get to a the frayed ends of sanity. End of sanity, dude. dude. The Wizard of Asan. Yeah. Oh yeah. With that OEO. Uh, I, so I always cool. found that, that a little much. weird, but I like the rest of the song a lot. Mm-hmm. I do find it a little. I'm. I am curious as to what their thought process was behind like, Hey, we should totally just do this and put this in, in the song. Like where they were just like watching the wizard of Oz one night and like, Hey, well, either that or or you felt like by this time you felt like you were just one of the, 
Well, who did the OEO? Well, it was the it was like the witches um, kind of soldiers. Basically, yeah, that, think, maybe you right? just feel like you're just one of them at that point. Yeah, know? I guess. Yeah, you. Could but be, but it's definitely. it's interesting because this really explores like the degradation of of like your mental state and pretty much it's very growing dark. conspiracy. Everyone's after me, and I don't know paranoia, man. Paranoia, paranoia, paranoia. Yes. Yeah. Paranoid android. Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, fighting the fear of fear, growing conspiracy, myself is after me, frayed ends of sanity, hear them calling me. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty dark. Yeah. You, you probably need to go talk to someone. And uh, at that point, you, yeah, you probably didn't because now you're at the point where you think that to live is to die, which is track eight, instrumental. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And this one, it starts... Starts with an acoustic, it kind of kind of fades in, um, and I, I don't mind the acoustic. I like it, and and I think you mentioned last time that they had kind of. I, I think for me, it's a good contrast, and they had maybe done this before a little bit in previous albums. They did, um, and actually, Cliff Burton has a writing credit on this one. Okay, um, because okay. this was very indicative of some stuff that they did do on Yeah, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets has tracks that are similar in feel. Okay. Um, you know, one thing that I, I, I think maybe I didn't love about it is uh, the way it it starts off with the acoustic and then it kind of cross fades into the more, I guess, what you call the metal part. I and no. and I, I just feel like they could have done some kind of I, I just don't like the crossfade. I feel like they could have done something a little more creative uh, music wise in, in kind of transitioning into that. I don't again, I don't know what you would have done or how you would have done it, but your Metallica figure it out. So yeah, no, that's fair. You know, um, and yeah. And it's, it's, is this the longest one? I, I mean, tech, I mean, yeah. Yeah. By two seconds. According yeah. To okay. Apple well, music. <laughs> well, anyways, then, then you go into Dyer's Eve and, uh, Dyer's Eve is also pretty dark. It's basically like a suicide note because I think the first lyric is like, dear mother, dear father. <laughs> and then it just goes into, how bad life is and yeah well you may remember last time this i called this kind of like my jack horner track you know this is yeah. the one we're we're gonna leave you with this is the one we're gonna leave you with we want you to remember us by yeah um, so and and the uh, lyrics you know, kind of go with that <laughs> this they, is the they one do. i want well, just exactly well i i think it is perfect the way black and uh, i think is a great song to start the album i think this is a good song to to end the album yeah, uh, and, I think that's and fair. Because I feel like it kind of sums everything up a little bit. It has, uh, I think, very the lyrical theme. I think is very similar to the shortest, uh, uh, the shortest straw. So okay. uh, you know, it seems to be you know again about oppression being held down, and, and you just can't do it so, anymore, dude. Yeah, yeah. And then music wise, though, it does it. it I just feel like it kind of encompasses everything that we've been listening to for pretty much you know about uh, the previous hours or so. Fair point. Uh, that is a really fair point. I would agree with you on that. Um, and I've always, I, yeah, I've I've always liked it musically, um, but very dark. Um, very dark. But in light of that, I mean, now it's it's time to woo. Time to get out your razor blade, screwdriver, implement of scratching destruction, and uh, yeah. play the game, dude. Today I got like these little scissors. Um, okay, that are in my. Yeah, I actually have a I have a Pilot G two pen, which I think you know, given the right, I think that would do it. 
I'm more of a I'm more of a Bic fan myself, but that's whatever. Your pick your web pick your weapon of choice. Bic <laughs> doesn't have shit on the pile of G two. Just oh, dude, it's lo- it's long lasting. I'll though. send it's you one. Smooth. I'll send okay, you please one. do. All right. Anyways, all right. All right wait. So am I scratching first? You scratching first? Yeah, oh, go ahead. Want, I'd, I'd like okay. to hear it as someone who's yeah. who's uh, I guess newer to the album, maybe. Yeah, totally. Um, so I am going to go with the instrumental song, which is To Live Is To Die. I'm, um, and I, I like the feeling of the whole album. I like all the songs. Again, I've said, mm. I, I think a few times, you can kind of mm-hmm. get lost in, in the album. And, uh, and, and, that's, and that's really cool to me, especially for, for what I would consider a metal album. Uh, but, but the biggest thing that stands out or maybe takes me out of the album is that acoustic sound i get what they were going for but that beginning acoustic and the ending acoustic i just i i don't like the crossfade i really wish they would have done something a little more creative there uh than than just doing that crossfade from the acoustic into the metal so you know when push comes to shove that's that's the one i have to go with well that's interesting so we find ourselves in what the scholars would refer to as a little bit of a shit pickle because that is exactly what i would have chosen and for very similar reason to me it just it it's it's really long and it just kind of drags yeah for for me so so we're going to overtime overtime yeah (laughs) all right so now we're in overtime (laughs) yes um does that mean i go again and pick mine or do you go again i forget i don't know is it like ping pong with game point Dude, you want to go same time yes all right okay all, all right. right so one two three and then say it and it can't be to live is to die right okay okay one, one two, two three, three. dyer's eve dyer's eve oh <laughs> <laughs> we can't go into double ot uh, I can't believe I scratched the Jack Horner track too. I feel feel like I kind of sold out just because it's the Jack Horner track. I know, but, but to me, it's like if the album ended with "Freight Ends of Sanity," that also wouldn't be terrible. Yeah, and as a, just I would say this too, as from a consumer, like those last two songs, however they are lengthy, I wouldn't feel like oh my gosh, this album was only seven songs. Uh, it's too short. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's too short because every song is over five and a half minutes. Some of them reaching six, seven, almost 10 minutes. So you wouldn't feel like you were shortened um, as, as kind of a consumer. So um, yeah, and I think I, we I just got to call yeah. this one. Um, yeah. You know, I this agree. isn't the playoffs and for, you know, you can still have a tie um, playoffs. I just don't no. know if we can just keep doing double and triple OT. No, because like that it, one it, Islanders Capitals game. Isn't oh, that dude, who they it was? went to like yeah, they went to like four. Yeah, yeah we're not going to be doing this till two in the morning. So no, the yeah, Islanders win the series and the game. So, oh man, good old days, good old days. So, well, I think that pretty much wraps up. Hopefully, all our technical stuff worked out. Although we had a little drop out in the middle, but we will fix that. We promise. Yeah, we'll figure that out. And yeah, you know, we'll, we're going to actually do what I just criticized Metallica for doing. We're going to do a crossfade. <laughs> That's what we're going to do, <laughs> dude. That's so beautiful. <laughs> it pretty much is. It pretty much is. So you won't even notice, guys. You won't even notice. Maybe on the video if you look real closely. So um, well, I think that pretty much wraps it up there, Slim Grim. Yeah. Say? Cool. Yeah, until cool. next time. Until next time, guys, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, give us five stars, whatever app you're on, whatever social media you're on. 
tell your friends, tell your family, tell people you don't like. It's it's fine. We we don't mind. We need more subscribers and um, we're going to keep rocking and rolling. So let's just let's just keep going. So until next time. Scratch you later. later. Scratch your track is produced by the dude Grimm. Additional music provided by Moore. That's dot 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 M O R E and the Tim's T I M N Z. Copyright 2020. The Dude and Grim Show.